Late in the seventh century before the birth of Jesus, the holy people of God found themselves in exile, deported from Jerusalem to Egypt by the mighty Babylonian Empire. It fell to the prophet Jeremiah to interpret this disaster. Jeremiah might have said, well, what do you expect? I've been telling you for 25 years that unless you changed your evil ways, you would be sitting ducks for Babylon. You got what you deserve. I can imagine it might have been tempting to say such things. The work of a prophet is a thankless task after all. For instance, after 9-11 when I suggested, not that I'm a prophet, but when I suggested that maybe there would be some cause there for us to look at our role in the world, many people told me to be quiet. Amazingly though, what Jeremiah said instead was that although the exile was a great tragedy and truly sad, it was no reason for despair. Anger maybe and sadness, but not despair. Instead, he said, it should be seen as a part of God's plan to get Israel's attention. Babylon, and in particular Nebuchadnezzar, were the redemptive instruments of Yahweh, who wanted to make sure that Israel was really clear about its relationship with God. The destruction of the temple and the deportation of Israel to Babylon were seen as the consequences of Israel's rejection of the primacy of God. Having made that point, Yahweh would then defeat Nebuchadnezzar and restore Israel to good fortune. Jeremiah's message was that the exile was the pathway to glory. Jeremiah has a vision of a basket, two baskets of figs, one full of ripe and wonderful figs, and the other one rotten and old fruit. God tells Jeremiah that the ripe figs are the people of Israel he has sent into exile but will gather again and replant. God will not harvest from these newly planted trees, these restored Israelites God is making. That will have to wait. We will hear about the fig again in the Gospel when Luke describes Jesus as saying that when the fig tree sprouts, we will know that the kingdom of God is near. The tree which God planted from the rescued fruit in Babylon will finally come to harvest when the kingdom of God is near. The fig is then the people of God and the fidelity of God to those people. God gathers people in their exile and plants them where they can flourish, where they become the kingdom of God. In all our lives, there are days, weeks, and even years of Babylonian captivity. These are the dark and deathly times of loneliness, when we feel helpless and useless, unable to change that which keeps us from being free. For reasons which are as long-standing as the human race, these periods often come at this time of year, when we want most to feel vigorous and celebratory, but we do not. And there is a certain temptation, I think, when one is in exile, to think that one has been forgotten. The world, and perhaps even God, have lost interest in us. We look for ways in which we can pretend that we're not in exile, that we can ignore and forget the pain which sent us there in the first place. 
in the gospel, Jesus said that we should be on guard, that we are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life. Because if we are, we will miss the coming of the Son of Man. These numbing activities we do when we are in exile get in the way of our awareness of God's arrival, God's advent within us and among us. Jeremiah told the tribe of Judah to regard their captivity as the work which Yahweh was doing to renew their hearts and restore them to glory. Over and over and over in the New Testament, we, or, I'm sorry, in the Old Testament, we hear that only when we pay attention to our pain, to what is broken and feels crazy and death-like, only then will we be able to feel the possibility of newness. The most glorious enactment of this is Easter, when resurrection comes through death. Paying attention to the pain, giving exile its due. We say in the Apostles' Creed, he descended to the dead. Jesus gave death its due and gave his friends and family time to pay attention to their grief. Only when we give exile its due do we gain the wherewithal to imagine something new, something full of life and promise. Advent is a time of waiting and paying attention to the seed of newness germinating inside us. The church gives us this low season, this time of watchful contemplation, so that we might together pay attention to what exile there may be in our community and to imagine together what might free us. In the recent collection of stories of ministry that we've been doing in this church, I have heard so many people say that working in their ministry with this community brought a whole new and unexpected life for them. And so we are not asked to do this alone. The Gospel says that the Son of Man is coming to bring the Kingdom of Heaven. The Son of Man, the brother of us all, is coming to pick the fruit of the fig tree at last. Just as Jeremiah said, God is at work here, doing the work that only God understands, bringing light to the dark places and fruit to the fruitless trees. The days are surely coming, he says, when the branch of David, the Son of Man, will execute justice and righteousness. The execution of justice and righteousness, we understand, is not a tyrannical exercise of power against our enemies by God, but is instead the work of love among us in the name and image of Christ. We, what we are waiting and watching for is our recognition of the incarnation of that love in our hearts and in our fellowship. The prophet called on the people of God to use their imagination to create a world in which God fulfilled God's promise to live among them forever. The prophet asked the tribes of Judah to look at their exile with eyes wide open so that they would be ready for the small sparks of grace which signal the coming of God. There is no possibility 
for grace to enter the heart which is numb. There is no redemption unless we acknowledge the presence of a Redeemer. Advent is a time to stop fleeing from the pain of whatever Babylonian captivity has kept us exiled from love. The bonds of love, the mysterious, magical, magnificent, healing work of love in the living community of saints whom we are, can only work within us when we look at our aloneness. There, inside the pain of exile, the whispering of God's desire for us, of God's dream for us, will set us again on the path to the kingdom of God. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for MillValley.org We wish you God's peace and we hope to greet you in person very soon.